0: Hello, and welcome back to the 32 podcast. I'm your host, Kate. Today is December 1st, 2021. its 12:121, both forward and backwards. How great is that? The most important thing of today is not only is it a new episode, but if you have Spotify, your Spotify wrapped has dropped in your app. And I know I said on previous episodes that I care, and I do care. Post your songs, post your podcast, post your playlist. I want to see it. If you don't celebrate your Spotify wrapped unwrapped, that's too damn bad for you. I posted mine. I was kind of surprised at my top song. I didn't think I played it that much. But then Spotify like called me out like, you played this song 167 times. I was like, oh, I guess I did. <laughs> but it was actually really fun to see my year in review and listen to all the songs all over again. If you're dying to know, which I'm sure you're not, but I'll tell you anyway. Um, Little Mix, Morgan Wallen, and Taylor Swift are my top people. This year, which comes as no surprise to me because I am so obsessed with the confetti album of last year, Morgan Wallen's dangerous album. I know he had his, I don't want to call it an incident because it's more than that. I know he had his (sighs) problem in the press and all of that, but I don't believe in canceling people, but that and and not but and his album was so great. Not that I'm looking past his actions, I am not but you can't look past good music. You just can't. And I know that he's doing the work to improve himself and improve his relationship and his, you know, understanding of his actions. So we can only support him in that regard. Um, and then Taylor Swift, obviously the, her fearless re-record, her red re-record. Apparently cruel summer is my top Taylor Swift song of the year too, which I do love that song. Anyway, got a great episode for you today. It's a little chaotic, but when is it not? Um, I talk about my Thanksgiving week. Um, I recap some things that happened. We're recapping pop culture today, some royal news, some a lot of medical news, actually. Um, but here is a word from our sponsor, and then we'll get into the episode. This week's show is brought to you by Junie B's Design Studio, handmade items for every occasion a Kansas City-based company with the belief that handmade and personal items have more character and charm than anything from a store. Start your holiday shopping today at Junie B's for indoor outdoor home decor, glassware, apparel, and more. Enjoy free shipping on orders over $40. You can find Junie B's on Etsy and on Instagram at, at juniebdesignstudio and at com. J-U-N-I-E-B designstudio.com. Thank you so much to our beautiful sponsors for allowing us to be here. It's just me on the pod today, but I have good news for everyone who enjoyed the pod with my mom. There will be one in the near future. We're seeing a lot of each other up until Christmas, and I think we'll probably get at least one episode, if not two in. So stick around for that. I will definitely, you know... Send out the strobe lights and the announcement for that one. But today we have a lot to catch up on. Firstly, I had probably the most social week of my year last week. And it was very coincidental. So I had a friend come to town to visit another mutual friend. And we were going to go, we went to the football game on Monday night, the Giants-Bucks game. I refer to it as Giants game because I'm a Giants fan, as does she. Everyone else is like going to the Bucks game. It's in Tampa, a lot, a lot. Okay, fine. Previous to that, my husband was like, why don't we go to the Lightning game since we're going to be in Tampa? I was so sporty all last weekend. It was so exciting. I, I hadn't been to a hockey game, oh my God, since like 2013, 14 when I had lived in Tampa. So it was like very exciting had such a great time. We had really nice seats, which like, thanks to my hubby. That was great. But I just, I was sitting there and like listening to, to the hype music and the lights in the crowd. And I was like, I absolutely love this. I love crowd noise. I love a hype song. Like let's hype up. Let's, let's go to work. Like I need to play something in the car before I go to work. Cause I was really like, I was motivated, you know? And like hockey is just like a, exciting sport and they they played the Minnesota Wild, which I have a friend who's a Wild fan. So I texted her that I was there and she was like, oh my God, that's so cool. And so we kind of like, you know, we're kindred spirits that night. But like hockey fights are so exciting. Like and they really let a couple of the players like quite a few times beat the shit out of each other, which like I don't know why I'm rooting for violence, but like I was so amped up. I was like, yes, this is awesome. Like I love I love to feel so energized. And perhaps I just haven't felt that energized all year. It's conceivable that I have not given, you know, the circumstances that myself, the healthcare community, and the world have gone through. You know, it's... I was talking about this with Anna after we wrapped our uh, our show that we did a few weeks ago and it wasn't recorded. But, like, I feel like 2020 people associate with being in COVID, like in quarantine, in your house, suffering, doing puzzles, all this stuff. But then 2021 has been, like, this, like... I don't know. Some, for for most people, and and for good reason, people have come out of their homes. They're vaccinated or not vaccinated. They're masked not maxed. Whatever. I'm not meaning to be political, but like they're they're living more is what I'm saying. But I don't think people understand that healthcare workers probably went through more this year. At least for me, me personally, I went through more this year with COVID than I did in 2020. But having it on the heels of 2020 made it worse, if that makes sense. So my point here being, I loved this energy. Like I loved feeling these feelings. Like the serotonin boost was so great. And I just, I was so excited. And then after the hockey game, I went and got margaritas, which was like so fabulous. We went to the same restaurant that Paul and I had our first date at, which I just love, you know, love that, love that memory for us. I ordered guacamole on our first date and he didn't eat avocado at the time. But he suffered through it and ate it because he wanted to go on a second date with me. That's so cute. I love that. And, you know, I married the guy. So that's good. Anyway, on Monday, we went to the football game. And I'm a Giants fan. I was born a Giants fan. been a Giants fan since April 16th, 1990. Like, that's never going to change. I will always be a Giants fan. I bleed blue, as they say. It is so hard to be a fan of a team that's so consistently disappoints you. And I know other teams feel this way. Like I'm not I'm not saying this is a singular Giants fan issue, but like I tell you what, it would just be nice to have intermittent celebration. But we've been we've been shit for 10 years. Like we've sucked for 10 years. And that's hard because Giants fans Remember the good times. We remember the team of '86 and '90 and 2008 and 2012. We remember the teams, the players, the the plays, the grit, the the energy. Like, where's that? Where did it go? We don't have it. We don't have it anymore. I. It makes me so emotional because my dad is a huge Giants fan. My dad has said to me in the past that the Giants were there for him when no one else was, which, like, there's probably a deeper-seated issue there, but, like, we're not going to get into it. But it's true. Like, people who feel so strongly about a sports team, like, it, it, is, it pulls at your heartstrings. And it's just like, why do we continue to have to be awful? Like, why can't there be bright spots? Why can't we go 500 in a season? Why can't we do that? And then we're in this predicament now where it's like, We won enough games not to get, you know, too high up in the draft, but we didn't lose enough to get the first-round draft pick. And that's all that matters because we have to rebuild this team to greatness. Right? Like, Michael Strahan needs to, like, I don't know, have some of his – does he have a son? I think he has daughters. I don't know if he has a son, but he needs to tell his son that he needs to go to college, play college ball, and get recruited by the Giants because that would be good DNA for us. I think. Anyway, so we tailgate. That was so much fun. It was like cool weather out. It was like 70 degrees. And can I tell you what? I conquered a fear. And you're going to be like, what's wrong with you? I conquered a fear of this game. Or at least I, I hope I did. Actually, I conquered a couple fears. So first things first, I'm afraid of heights. Absolutely terrified of heights. I could stand on my kitchen countertops and get vertigo. Like I, I can't do it. Secondly, I'm afraid of escalators. You may think that's dramatic or not necessary or, you know, what's wrong with me? I'm afraid of them. I don't know why. I never fell off one as a kid. I never got stuck. I just, I just have this thing about them. I I, I feel like, and I know they're designed not to do this, but I feel like if they were to come to an abrupt stop, I would go flying one way or the other. And like gravity is not, good to you in those times. Like, if you're going to fall, you're going to fall flat on your face, flat on your ass. Like, it's, it's going to hurt. But I think, and I'll look it up. I'll look up the engineering of an escalator, but I'm pretty sure they, like, if they come to a stop, it's not as abrupt as I would imagine it. I would hope anyway. So we, our seats were on the top bowl, row? No, not row. Top section. And they were like, Five to 10 rows from the very top, like where the flags wave and all the shit. And I was like, I can, I can get there. I can do it. I can get up to the top and I can get to my seat. I am the type of person who I need to like segment my goals. Like I will make it to the top section. I will climb the stairs. I will hold the railing like a death script until I get to my seat. And once I get to my seat, I will feel safe. So I'm with my friends and my husband who love me and who want to keep me safe. And they are all very kind (laughs) because I just, so like I had a few drinks, like going up there wasn't as bad as I think. Cause I think like, you know, the truly is kind of kicked in at the right time. So I go up the first escalator and I'm like, okay, I made it. Also, I have this problem where like escalators are slanted, right? I don't know what kind of degree they're at, 45 degree angle, whatever. You can see under them. And I don't know, like I believe in engineering and I believe in the people in the math and the science who like built them and they're like up to code and all that. But like, I would just love a solid piece of machinery or like a solid, like you can't see beyond it. It's a solid piece, like, but that doesn't happen in stadiums. Stadiums are like this stadium, honestly, like there's a lot floating. It looked like like all the seats were like slated up. I don't know. Like I have to look up how it was built. It looked, I just, I don't know. I kept staring at it like, I have to sit up there, Oof, but it was it's going to be fine. So I climbed the first escalator. I'm like, okay, one more to go because I thought the ground is the first level. So then I go take the escalator, which I'm pretty sure was like a two-story escalator. So it's like a long trip and you'd get to the second level. No, I was wrong. You go from the ground to the first level, which means I had two more escalators. So I was like, I'm going to walk. My husband was like, you're not walking. It's like 18 little roundabout things. You're not walking. And I was like, oh, my God. So I'm holding on to both rails, looking at my feet, panicking up the second and third escalator. <laughs> and my friend was like, you're going to have to get off. Your feet are going to hit the thing. You're going to take a step. And so I was like, jumped off. And I was like, OK, I'm fine. I'm OK. So we get off on the third level. And I'm like, I made it. This is concrete ground. Like, I'm, I'm OK. I mean, I'm shaking like a leaf, but I'm fine. I'm I'm in one piece. So then I look out past the escalator and all I see is like air. Like we're like stories up. I don't know how many stories. I would assume about six or seven. It's high. And I was like, oh God, like I might as well be in space. And we all, I talked about it the, earlier with my mom. I hate space. Like I have no interest in going. So like, I was like, oh my God, I'm so high up. So... So I'm on the third level. I beat the escalators. I did it. My blood pressure is a little high at this point, but I did it. So now I have to get to my seat. So I ask what row we're in. And I think we were in X. So I was like, okay. X is the 24th letter in the alphabet. If they start at A, I have 24 steps to go up. I have 24 rows to make it. So there's obviously... The higher you go, the steeper it gets and the stairs get smaller, which I fucking hate. Like, can we not make stairs the appropriate size for feet? I hate this. Like, what if someone like my dad is 6'2". He has the appropriate size foot for a 60 person. He can't climb these tiny steps with the sneakers on. And I'm wearing sneakers because it's cold, a eh? And like, I have to be like, I was not taking any chances with like a traction problem or like slipping on these stairs. Like, hell no, I was not. I start my ascent and I have a death grip on this banister, like the metal thing, but my problem is that there's always a space in between the banisters, like that's like three stairs long, I guess. And I know that's like probably for like safety be able to weave in and out and like the, the popcorn people that come and like give you your stuff. But like, why can't we just have a single banister, a single long line of safety? I don't get it. Like, Please. I would death grip on the banister all the way up. My friend's coaching me. My husband was behind me. I told him to stand behind me because he can catch me because he's strong if I fall. And then my friends were in front of me and they're like, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And we get there and they want to put me on the end. And I was like, hell no, I got to be in the middle. Like I need people on all sides. So I sit in my seat and I made it. I was like, oh my God, I did it. I did it. I'm here. I made it. I'm actually really proud of myself because I can't describe to you the tears I would have been in had I been completely sober. <laughs> it just, I, I don't know when this fear of heights started for me. Like I don't have like a focal point of like, this is when I became afraid of heights. I think I was just born this way. I've had a few instances in life, instances in life where my fear of heights has been tested. And I'm about 50, 50 on the winds. I had a panic attack when I studied abroad in France on the second level of the Eiffel Tower. Like I lost feeling in my knees and I fell over. So that was enough. You know, it is like a goal of mine in life. Like to go back there and to go to the top of the Eiffel Tower. But it's a glass elevator. And the top of it is – there's a, a lot keeping me from this, guys. Like there's, there's a lot of boundaries that I would have to overcome. And hopefully like – I would have some sort of like medicinal assistance because I don't know if I can do it without that. And I'm not claustrophobic. so like, that's not the problem. It's just, it's the heights. And I think more of it is a a fear of falling. Cause I'm clumsy. And like, I have fallen, like (laughs) not like from great heights, but in general that like, imagine falling from, you know, like any sort of, Any sort of anything. Like, you're going to break your face. Right? Anyway. I made it. Went to the game. The first quarter was a great quarter. Like, we scored a touchdown. There was cheering. I FaceTimed my parents. We were like, yay, this is so wonderful. Then we sucked. We were atrocious. There was just interception after interception. Just... Miss tackle after miss tackle, Tom Brady this, Tom Brady that, and can do this, and can do that. And it's hard to be a Giants fan in the kind of a, a, opposition environment. And furthermore, we sat around everyone who seemed to be – like, there were Giants fans sprinkled in. Actually, there were a lot of Giants fans. Like, I would say it was like 30 to 40 to 60 to 70. Like, there was a lot of Giants fans, and that makes sense because it's it, – New York team, the Yankees play spring training down here. Tampa is easy to get to, all this, that. We were directly, directly next to Bucks fans all around. And then we were next to New England fans, which like, I get the whole Tom Brady thing, but like, he's not on the Patriots anymore. Like, can we not just let it go? But these guys were like, oh, it's a hard day to be a Giants fan. I'm like, every day is a hard day to be a Giants fan, dude. This has literally been my whole life. I've had 31 years of this. 27 of those have been losing years. We won, no, 28, because they won the year. Yeah, I wasn't alive for the 86 one. So we've just, like, I'm used to this, but you don't have to shove it in my face. And they're like, oh no, poor Giants fans. Like, dude, what are the Patriots doing this year? I don't even know. I don't pay attention. But, like, dude, and they were, and come to think of it, they were like total douchebags and they were on a bachelor party for like the main douchebag who was heckling us. And it was a Monday night on Thanksgiving week. I have so many questions for this future wife. And my husband on the way out, he's like, I feel bad for her. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I feel bad for the girl he's marrying. Shit, I do too. Who is this girl? I have questions about you. Who is he spending Thanksgiving with? These buddy freaks? I don't know. Anyway, so the cherry on top of this for me, Was A, to see my friend who I haven't seen in almost two years. That was so exciting. The second was, so I was supposed to work Tuesday. And I had texted my charge nurse. We have, like, a phone. We can text them. They have a phone. And I was like, hey, put me on, like, the first list to be canceled. Which is what we can do if we're overstaffed. Like, if we need 18 nurses in a day and we have 21 and we have a certain amount of open beds and things like that, like, three, two or three nurses can be, like, canceled or put on call. Like, you don't have to come in at seven. She was like, okay, I'll put you on the list. We don't get home till 1 a.m. So I text the charge and I was like, what are the chances I'm getting canceled in the morning? And they would let me know at 5 a.m. So like, it's 1 a.m. I have five till 5 a.m. I can get three hours and 50 minutes of sleep before I wake up and find out. And she texts me back and she goes, you're canceled. Don't wake up at five. Go to sleep. Hope you had a good time. This is the best day of my life. I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, the world of possibilities is endless. What am I going to do tomorrow? I can sleep in. I can cook. I can do all these things. Oh my God. It was so, it was the greatest cancellation of my life. And like I have PTOs. So my paycheck's not going to change. But like not having to go to work after being at this game, <clears throat> excuse me, after being at this game for hours and suffering and we, was t- we were tired, there was a crash on the way home all this stuff. And I was like, I get to sleep in and I don't have to wake up at five o'clock in the morning to see if someone has to cancel me. And it was so great. I'm so happy. And like Tuesday was the best bonus day of my life. And didn't even really do much. <laughs> what did I do? I woke up at 845 in a panic that I actually didn't get canceled. And I thought I made it all up in my head, which is, which I didn't. I wasn't like, I would thought I was going to wake up to like 18 million texts from work. Like, where are you? You're getting fired but that's just my anxiety talking. What else did I do? Oh, I cooked. My father-in-law had knee surgery. And so like he he loves mashed potatoes. And um, pre- in previous Thanksgivings, they had had instant mashed potatoes, but I'm Irish and I can't accept that. So for the last few years, I've been making them. So I made those for him. So we would have them on Thanksgiving. We went to see him after a surgery. That was pretty good. What else did I do? I think I just like took a relaxation day. Which is wonderful. Packed for we went to see my parents for Thanksgiving. That was great. It was wonderful. Like I, oh, the the stress relief of getting canceled from work and like having a free day is great. And then I had eight days off in a row. Like it was just like a total win-win-win for me. It was wonderful. I love that. It's like the happiest the happiest work moment of my year was not having to be there. And I actually said that to my boss the other day. She was like, how was your Thanksgiving? I was like, you know what? It was great. I got to leave early because I was canceled on Tuesday, which was the best. And then she looked at me like, getting canceled was the best. And I was like, I mean, I asked to be canceled in this. And I told a little story. She's like, oh, that's really wonderful. I was like, oops. I love working here. I'm not, you know, don't be offended by my words. Which, oof. Anyway, that was my, that's only three days of 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 happenings on. I've been talking for twenty minutes. Wow. Anyway, so Paul and I drove to my parents. They live um, in a in a suburb outside. Actually, they're going to get mad if I say where I where they live. So they live far from me. (laughs) They live far. They live far in the same state as me. So we have to drive there, and that's fine. And there's multiple routes to take, but we're always on a major highway. Unless we take, like, this, like, back roads, like, past, like, goat farms, like, area. Like, we try to stay on the main roads. But for some reason, my husband was like, let's take the scenic route. And he always means, like, let's take the route that's, like, one lane where you have to pass on the, pass on the edge. And then we drive by farms and it smells like manure. I'm like, fine, you're driving. I don't care. We had a lot of interesting discussions in the car. And I wrote some of them down just because I think that they'll spark some, you know, some brain activity for us because a lot of the, we were listening to one of the Sirius XM radio stations that was like 90s 2000s pop. so it was like a lot of a, a good mix because my husband he loves me but he won't listen to the Backstreet Boys for five hours he won't listen to T- Taylor Swift for five hours and like I understand that's fine can we compromise and listen for four and a half <laughs> no the answer is always no but so we we go between like 90s like 90s on nine, the 2000s, the 90s and 2000s, the blend. Like the we we try. We heard the Foo Fighters like 16 times in our trip though. I think he told serious extent what he needed to hear because he likes Dave Grohl. I think he's reading his new book. Anyway, we heard a bunch of Michael Jackson songs and we got on the topic of like his children. And like, I think it's been like 10 years since Michael Jackson died, which like, what a loss, you know? Like I understand there was a lot of criticism and a lot of speculation regarding his personal choices and his life and not that i'm certainly not an expert on that but like and i understand where that comes from certainly but michael jackson is the prime example of a man who got his childhood stolen from him who and who was abused by his own parents psychologically so like he was not a well person so like all of his and this is not this is not a um like I'm not condoning any actions he may or may not have done that's not what I'm saying however i'm saying the cause and effect of being an abused child for him was that you know he had deranged relationships with children i think because he didn't have a childhood and so he was he he became an adult who constantly craved the attention of wanting to be a child that's what i think whether he you know was abusive to other children or children when he was an adult I don't know. That's not what I'm saying. But I think it could be argued that, like, he got his childhood stolen from him because he was famous and all this is that. That he just yearned for that childhood as an adult. That's what I'm saying. And we got on the topic of his son, Blanket, because Blanket was recently in the news. That kid is 17 years old. Isn't that crazy? Like, 17 years ago, Blanket was put over a a balcony railing. And named blanket. His name is Prince Michael, by the way. But we call him blanket. Isn't that wild? I don't know. Like, that's we're crazy. Then we talked about the popes. I don't recall as to why. But I'm Catholic, so that's probably a better reason. Oh, and then we had we had a wrong way driver alert on the um like Department of Transportation monitors, the Amber alert things that are up. It was said wrong way driver. Make a model of the car and license plate, and I was like, "What do you do when there's a wrong way driver?" And then I'm assuming the wrong way driver is on my side of the road because I am reading the wrong way driver, and that's the the warning they're giving me. But then I'm like, "I'm on a major highway, so where is this person? Like, when do I know that they're no longer driving the wrong way? Like, when have they been stopped?" I had so many questions. I looked on the Department of Transportation's website. And they couldn't tell me where the person was seen, which like that doesn't make any sense. Like, this is a I live in Florida, it's a long state. 75 and 95 go for six hours each way. More than that. So, like, where is this person? And then I turn around and I see the wrong way driver thing is on the other side of the road, too. I'm like, so what? Like, how do I prepare? What do I do? And apparently, this is what this is what the internet told me. When you see a wrong way driver. You, as the opposite driver, are supposed to, like, not abruptly move out of the way, but, like, hopefully move out of the way and then report them. Which I'm sure is what happened. But, like, this is a situation I've never experienced before. Like, it's not like when you see a deer and you can't stop and you hit the deer. You're not going to hit the person. But, like, are you just supposed to, like, try to avoid them and move on? I don't know. This was very, I don't know. It was very confusing. I'll, I'll research more. What other conversations do we have in the car? Oh, we drove past what I believe it was a hellacious amount of cows. And in Florida, we have a lot of beef production Um, from like the history of the Florida crackers and things like that. So like I thought we were passing like a beef, like cattle range type of place. Not a farm. I guess it is a farm, but like you don't call it a beef farm. Pasture. I don't know. I grew up in Kansas. You'd think I know these words, but I don't. And I was thinking about like what cows produce for us, like beef and dairy. It's like wow. And I was thinking, like, so also coming to mind, I made a pecan pie for Thanksgiving. And I used a pound of butter. So I've been thinking about butter a lot <laughs> in the last couple of days leading up to Thanksgiving. Cause like I never put a pound of butter in anything. It's just like where how do people know when you separate cream it becomes butter how did they know so i looked up the history of butter and apparently the mesopotamians had been using butter so they figured it out but they got it from goats and sheep they were using goat butter and then there was this whole like historical process of like the goat and the sheep butter didn't keep very long so they had to clarify it that's where like clarified butter and ghee comes from the mesopotamians had it going on they were so smart they invented butter. And then dairy butter wasn't used until like the 1500s. That's what I learned. If you need more butter, butter stories, you just hit up your girl and I'll tell you. Then we heard an Ashley Simpson song and Paul immediately was like, oh, we can't listen to her. She lip syncs. And I was like, no, her appearance on SNL was a backtrack that played and she got embarrassed and she walked off. That's what happened. That is the that is the series of events that occurred. She didn't lip sync. Everybody uses a backtrack. And I got really mad, like I just did, because I was like justice for Ashley Simpson. It's it, this was 15 years ago. We can't let this go. Everybody lip syncs. Did you watch Thanksgiving Parade? Everyone lip syncs. Everyone. Some do a good job. Some don't. Nobody told the K-pop group this year not to, to lip sync. So they were like just like standing there dancing. But that's fine. There's one more thing on here. Let's see. Oh, the origin of iPods. The iPod was released in 2001. 2001. Isn't that crazy? And then I didn't have an iPod until 2004, five-ish. I had that one that was like blue with the little circle in the middle that you spun and everything was like black text in the iPod. I had that one. Paul had that one too, he said. But he's like, I was in college. I'm like, well, I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I never noticed our age difference until we say things like that. <laughs> anyway, so twenty years of the iPod. Well, that's crazy. I don't think anyone uses one anymore, though. Maybe like kids. But don't they all have phones? How old do you have to be to get a phone these days? Apparently, one of my nieces is isn't it. Um, She's six and she's asking for a phone. I'm like, but who are you going to call? Like, what are you going to do with it? Why do you need a phone? I don't understand. When I was six, like, we still had, you know, phones on the wall when I was six. So, like, I don't quite understand what a six-year-old now needs a phone for. Do they have, like, a kid version of a jitterbug? I'll figure it out. I'll do some research for you guys. I know I'm asking myself a lot of questions, but that's just the circumstances I'm in today. Anyway, all right. I think that's all the things from the car. Yep, the history of butter. Go figure. I'm going to ask my cousin. My cousin and my friend are police officers. I'm going to ask them because one's in Florida and one's in different states. So I'm going to ask them what the appropriate wrong way driver solution is. And I'll get back to you. Okay, now that I've rambled on for an absurd amount of time, let's get into the pop culture recap. These are the latest things that I've seen in the last week or two that I feel as notable as to talk about them. So first things first, Lindsay Lohan got engaged. Her fiance's name is Bader Shamus. Cool. Their picture is super cute. She announced it on Instagram. And apparently the article, I read a few articles about it, and page six is reporting that her dad is proclaiming that this fiance is better than Lindsay Lohan's ex, Aaron Carter, which I'm like, is that not obvious? Aaron Carter, for those who don't know the brother of um, Backstreet Boy, Nick Carter, who also had a solo singing career for a time, um, is a mess these days. <laughs> He's had substance abuse problems, mental problems, He also got engaged recently too, or married. I saw something somewhere. Anyway, um, if you all remember in the early 2000s, Aaron Carter, Lindsay Lohan, and Hilary Duff were quite the love triangle. And he chose Lindsay after he appeared on um, Lizzie McGuire and did that like Christmas dance thing magic. If you don't recall, I'll find it for you and I'll post it. But anyway... Um, let's see the pair intertwining each other's arms. Lohan 35 wrote my love, my life, my family, my future with her, um, with her dude in their engagement picture. That's really cute. Hmm. Actress's father, Michael Lohan told a post of him. He's not a Hollywood type. You don't see any pictures of them in the press. That's one of Lindsay's problems. The paps encroaching on her and coming up with stories. It's tough, but she's with a guy who doesn't like the limelight. She's relaunching her career and you want a good person in your life when you hit that restart button. Everyone's happy. Lindsay got her life back when she met him. She's been living a really happy and healthy life. Oh my God. I love this good news. That is so wonderful. I don't know why Aaron Carter was mentioned at all. Let me see. Where is it? Oh my God. All the ads. Lohan dated Aaron Carter when she was 15 and her dad was not a fan. That's 20 years ago. Dad. Like, Seriously? I don't know. It's very bizarre. And then she was engaged to that Russian dude. I don't know. Anyway, congrats to Lindsay Lohan. We also don't like Aaron Carter that much, but we like you better. And she's in a new movie coming up. I'm very excited. It's hallmark So excited. Can't wait to see it. The next story, Virgil Abloh of Louis Vuitton and Off-White dies at 41 following a two-year battle with cancer. So Virgil was one of the... um creative directors and artistic directors at Louis Vuitton and his own personal label Off-White. And he died after having a rare aggressive form of um, cardiac cancer called cardiac angiosarcoma, which he battled for two years. Um, I personally, and I, I follow fashion, but I don't follow fashion too closely. I had never really heard of Virgil. However, I've heard of Louis Vuitton and I, I think his influence has been really profound in the company the last couple of years and especially in their menswear and their streetwear and that it's been incredible to see. So this is absolutely a loss for not only the fashion world, but, you know, the entire world. He seemed like a wonderful person. He leaves behind his wife and his children. It, you know, this is a horrible case of someone gone too soon and, you know, someone at at the pinnacle of their career at in their early forties, it's just, it's just such a loss. So we, we pray for his family here at the 32 pod. Um, he was the designer who, if you have seen, um, Justin and Haley Bieber's wedding, he was the person who designed her veil. So he was doing a lot with, um, words and statements on art and fashion. And that was one of his, um, designs. So in fact, I have heard of him. So that is certainly certainly lost, and we are sad sad for his family. Let's see. Moving on, John Goslin—that's a name you haven't heard in a while. John Goslin from John and K Plus Eight, the former reality star, has been hospitalized after getting bitten by venomous brown recluse spider while asleep. Shit. Okay, so the next part of the story is going to sound very confusing, but I will clarify. John says, I was DJing for the weekend in Philadelphia and I finally felt free. It was my first real single weekend. I was totally ready to open up and meet new people and start fresh. But I woke after a night of music and fun and went to stand up only to fall back down in bed. I was in excruciating pain. So to clarify all of those things, John Goslin, since being a reality star, is also a DJ. Yes, he DJs social events, weddings, bar and bat mitzvahs, you know all the things. And I guess he recently went through a breakup. That's also what I'm getting from this article. My first thought was what now I had a rough year. My breakup was hard and I got COVID, which was bad. Dang. The doctor told me that I was lucky enough to come in because if I didn't treat you, this could you can lose your limbs or die from the infection. I just wish I knew where the spreader was so I could take my revenge. <laughs> That's funny. I feel that I do. Well, happy that he's going to be healthy. Happy that I can, you know, share this with you. It just seems like such a random story, but like, I'm glad that he's good. He was in the news earlier this year because he and Kate still have ongoing custody things. And he has taken over full custody of two of their six sex tuplets. So they have two daughters that are twins that are older than the younger six. And he has custody of two of those kids. One of them, I think chose to live with him. And those kids are, let's see if I'm 31, those kids are almost 18. They have, they have to be at least 15, 15 or 16. But anyway, he has custody of the two, I guess, because things with Kate and those kids didn't go well or something like that, but it's hard to know what to believe about. And this is in general, anyone's custody things in the news. Cause like, first of all, we're not in the courtroom. And second of all, like their divorce and their custody stuff was so charged with like emotion, you know, like she was this like Karen who wants to speak to the manager constantly. And like, she's horrible and she hates him. And this, she's so terrible to him. But like the woman's got eight kids, six of them are the same age. Like, I don't expect anything else, but like a drill sergeant. That's how I would be like, how, how else are we going to move on? How are you move forward? Anyway, Not a tangent I'm going to die on today. We are happy that he's getting help. And in some relationship news, I have been proven wrong. Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian are still dating. I know it's been two weeks, but they've been photographed several times together. We have no choice but to believe it. I still don't quite know what's going on. I can't really put them together. And my whole thing, and you know... Correct me if I'm wrong. Please do. I'm open to suggestions. I'm open to criticism. That's fine. We can have an open conversation. He's a 27-year-old guy. You want to date a 42-year-old woman with four kids? Not that there's anything wrong with that. But he's like the it guy to date. And I don't don't know. Like, you'd think that he'd want to date the other 20-something it person. No? And, like, I know she's Kim Kardashian. But, like... You want to be a stepdad to Kanye's kids? I know he's not thinking that. Like, it's it's been a few weeks. I know, like, let's not jump off a cliff about it. Like, I get it. But, like, is that not valid? I don't know. But they're, they've are they been photographed several times together. They're in love. They're holding hands. La, 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 la. I, we'll see. We'll see. Kanye's been in the news recently, basically begging for Kim back, tagging her in social media stories, like, for her to be, like, put our family back together. It's so like, I, I don't know. Like it, it, we'll see, but I don't think this Pete David Davidson thing is going to last. I don't. I just, I don't. In additional celebrity relationship news, Madeline Klein and Jake Stose were photographed together at a club. This is very important because when we did the podcast with Sarah, We talked about their breakup. So this was like a month ago. And I was devastated when they broke up. Now, there was no further information in regards to the status of their relationship. But seeing them in the same room gives me so much hope that they still love each other. Because their love is so palpable on Outer Banks that they need to work it out. Like, this gives me such excitement and hope. Like, please, please hear our cries. Like I just please. Because I love them both. They're so beautiful. They would make the most gorgeous children. Oh my god. Okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Again, I'm sorry. But I just this gives me hope. It does. And they both look happy in the pictures. And I just I I'm I'm eagerly awaiting their their return as a couple. I am. I'm eagerly awaiting it because it's gonna happen. And I don't and I heard through the power of the internet that Outer Banks was quietly renewed for season three, but has not yet been like officially announced as renewed, but I don't think it was for a second season either, but they should start filming in January, which like, first of all, please, the show is amazing. Like we have to have a third season. We have to know what happens with it. Spoiler alert. If you're not caught up, we have to know what happens on Poglandia. We have to know what happens to the, what was the name of the ship that they were on? Crap. Oh my God, it's right there on the tip of my tongue. Nope, not there. We have to know what happens to the cross on the ship. We have to know what happens to the ship. We have to know what happens to Rafe and Ward. Oh my God. If they ever get off Poglandia and poor, poor Kier's parents and poor Pope's dad for not knowing where they are. Oh my God, there has to be resolution. There has to be. And then, you know, John B. and Sarah have to get, like, actually married when they turn 18. But they're supposed to be 17 and 16 on the show, so maybe not. I just I just have so much. I have so much love for that show. And I can't. I have to wait another 10 months for it to come out. God. But Madeline Klein and Chase Stokes being together would help me. It would help me. It would help me cope. It would. Okay. Two more stories. This next story if you watch Real Housewives the OC, it will be very interesting to you. Vicki Gunvalson reveals she was treated for cancer and had her had a hysterectomy. I know all your ears went up if you watch Housewives of Orange County. So she was on Jeff Lewis um, his serious XM show, Jeff Lewis Live. He is from flipping out on Bravo. And she was interviewed saying, I had cancer, they took my whole effing uterus out. She didn't give any information otherwise. But apparently she had a two-year battle with uterine cancer, which I'm very sorry. Or this happened two years ago. I can't read. Mm. She's recovering from undergoing a hysterectomy. She revealed in an interview. I think it happened. Happened in more of the past than we think. So the reason this probably was not released as news until now, or probably not spoken about by Vicky is because when she was on housewives, OC, when she was dating her boyfriend Brooks, he faked having cancer and he faked having cancer for a really long time. Like he was first on the show in like 2012 or 2013. He faked cancer for like three or four years. And I don't quite still know – we don't quite know why, but we think – we meaning, you know, the housewives community. We assume it was to, like, get stuff out of Vicky because she has her own insurance company, Koto Insurance. She makes a ton of money. So my perspective is he was using her to pay for shit and taking the money. And she still – she said that she gave him loans and gave him money that he hasn't paid back. Obviously, he's a con man. But, you know, it kind of – It's a little bit boy who cried wolf when you you know defend someone who was faking cancer. Not that she maybe didn't know it came out in the later seasons that she possibly knew somewhere in the middle that it might not have been a totally you know clean situation. Anywho, so it looks it looks suspect. When then you're like, I have cancer. However, she did in fact have cancer. She had a hysterectomy. We pray for her healing. We pray for her health and safety. And you know what? Things things can be kept private. That that's that's what I want to take from this. I don't quite know. I don't listen to Jeff Lewis's show. I don't know if there's a recording of it, but like I don't know where this conversation went for her to say I had cancer. Like I just had a hysterectomy, I had cancer. Like there has to be some sort of conversation, right? Or Jeff had to know something, or she led her down this path. But like I totally get why she kept it a secret. Like, I totally get it. Like, people are going to be like, you didn't have cancer. Which sucks. Like, no one wants to say to somebody, like, you're not really sick. Right? Like, but that's been a theme on Housewives. Brooks has cancer, which he didn't, didn't in fact have. You know, Yolanda was, of having Munchausen's for her Lyme disease, which was wrong. Which was wrong. Anyway, these Housewives and their fake illness or fake or, or. Accusatory being fake illnesses. That's just, I don't know why that's such a theme. Anyway, we are praying for Vicky's healing. And so it also is in this article. Ta-ta-ta-ta. I'm going through a tough time right now. I don't need anybody bringing me down. Oh, okay. Got it. Here we are. So Vicky, for the last few years, has been dating this guy named Steve. Steve is a former cop who was on the show. She's no longer on the show who like was totally in love with her, but found, but when he ran for governor, it found that he was cheating on her. So then she broke up with him. So now she's reeling from this breakup. She has this diagnosis. This is the tough time. Got it. Okay. I'm going through a thing tough time right now. I don't need anybody bringing me down. All right. Neither do we. I totally get it. We don't need anybody bringing us down. <sighs> Vicki. Okay. You know, Housewives reruns were on yesterday, and it was the season with Vicky, Tamara, Gina, what is her name? Emily Bronwyn. It was like three seasons ago. Shannon, such good content. Oh, my God. I don't like Bronwyn, like, at all. Like, not on the show, not as a person, not my cup of tea. But the series of episodes that I watched yesterday was, like, so fun. (laughs) I love it. I love that. And as it turns out, I was reading an article today. It's not in my news, but it flows. Tamara and Shannon are currently feuding on Twitter because their relationship has fallen out. And Tamara was asked to comment why, and Shannon doesn't agree as to why they fell out. But like, if you are not friends anymore, who cares? Like, why do you have to be so righteous and be like, no, this is why I think we are not friends. But no, this is why I think we're not friends. Like, just don't be friends. Right? And it's on Twitter. Like, there's, there's a script of this. I don't know. Anywho, my last story, and it's royal news. We know I love royal news. Prince William and Kate Middleton banned BBC from airing their Christmas special amid fury over a controversial new doc. So BBC has a new documentary about Prince William and Prince Harry. I forget what it's called. Oh, the Princess, the Princes and the Press. It basically talks about them as brothers, them as married people to Kate and Megan and then how the press has affected their lives since then. Um, well, first of all, obviously, but apparently this documentary is saying a lot of things that the palace is deeming inappropriate, untrue, blasphemous, you know, abhorable things, is that a word abhorrent things. Um, that, you know, overblown, unfounded claims, all this stuff. So, which, as royal followers, we should remember that in the history of time, rarely does the palace speak out. But in the last two years, the palace is saying a lot of shit. And who can we point fingers at that for? Two people. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Anyway, not going go on that topic. Well, I sort of am. Anyway, so essentially they're mad that BBC is running this um, documentary. So they have banned them from screening the Christmas Carol concert that Kate is hosting. It'll be on Britain's ITV, like singularly, like they will only show it on that channel, which... I'm sorry for the tangent, but just, you know, for my American, I'm pretty sure everyone's American who listens to my show. If not, welcome. Hello, international. Um, So when I was in Ireland a few years ago, and the British are the same way because they're very close together. They have, like, everyone's channel four is channel four. Like, everyone's channel eight is channel eight. Like, they have what's called TV licenses. Like, we have, like, cable packages, but you can't steal it over there. There was some, like, drama with the cable licensing But essentially to get cable, it's everyone's, everyone has the same. Like you can have like streaming services and things, but like everyone has the same channel for BBC, ITV, whatever. So for this to be wiped off a channel and be on one channel, that means everyone's going to watch the one channel. That's pretty cool. But also it's like, you know, one could argue it's like a little bit of like, you know, Socialism, this and that. I'm not. I'm not starting that conversation. I'm just saying, like, there's not a lot of television autonomy in Britain and in Ireland. Anyway, I just, I think this is a cool move. I mean, you know what? If this is a slap in the wrist to BBC, like, so be it. Like, they're royal. They run the. Their grandmother runs the country. Like, they can do whatever they want. You know, like, a source added. Let's see. God, I'm so chaotic today. Sorry. ITV was very surprised, but delighted to get the late call offering this incredible exclusive. It will be a fantastic concert that will be TV gold for viewers at home. And you know what? Like, fine. And this goes on to say, and things are likely to get a lot worse between the Royal Family and BBC before they get better, as the second part of the documentary threatens to go further. Oh, so only the first part has come out. But the second part... It hasn't come out yet. Oh, and like BBC, British Broadcasting Company, like the, uh, mm. the Queen, Prince Charles, Camilla, and William and Kate issued a robust joint statement after the first part of the BBC Two program. Oh, let's click. That's a link. Let's click on it. Loading. 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 <laughs> however too often it's overblown and unfounded claims from unnamed sources that have are presented as facts is disappointing with anyone including bbc gives them credibility ah so they're pissed which i'd be pissed too that what they feel and what they know is false is being turned into a truth narrative and they're not having any of it and you know what they shouldn't have to they're royal guess what you don't have the british broadcasting company without britain you know, not Britain without the queen. That's too damn bad people. Oh, I'm getting an ad for UNICEF. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. We'll donate to UNICEF today. Anyway, how much more time do I have here? I get cut off at an hour. Ooh, I got eight minutes left, you guys. Okay. I know you're like, oh my God, you're so chaotic. Just end. I'm not done yet. So, I would also like to say, you know, I wish we get this special in America. I know I can jailbreak my fire stick to get British television. I just haven't figured it out. But I would like to watch this concert because it's sponsored by Kate. Like, I'd watch anything she does. I'd watch her sit in a room for an hour doing nothing. And I'd be like glued to the television. <sighs> All right. Um, this first article talks more about Megan and like, haven't we heard enough? I would also like to talk about the fact that there's a new book coming out from someone close to the Royal family and like the words close to the Royal family, I feel like don't mean much anymore (laughs) because a, like, yes, things are often very private and very, you know, not spoken about or whatever handled in a certain way. But like the Royal family is the most accessible it's ever been. They have social media, they have public mail, they have much more, I would say social influence and like social what's the word for like being seen and like out and about, they have that nowadays, even with COVID, like all of their um Royal visits and tours and all are so, you know, talked about in the press, you know, released in the press. It, it, like they're the most successful they've ever been, but like everyone deserves a private life. Right. And I just, I I lost my train of thought. Shoot, I got so distracted. Oh, my God. Oh, anyway, so this book, this book that's coming out close to the royal family. We don't know how close, but everyone has a source, right? In quotes, a source. And this person in the book is claiming that Prince Charles is the person who asked about the color of Archie's skin. Now to take you back to March, when Megan and Harry did the interview with Oprah, Megan in the interview said there were questions about how dark his skin was going to be. However, this book states that Charles was the one who asked what will his complexion be? Who will he look like? Which to me, as a person who has two nieces, As a person who has siblings that we look related but not alike. As a person who knows many. Like I know a lot of people who have had kids. Who have, you know, lots of siblings. Like everyone wants to know who someone's going to look like. I think at face value that's a very valid question. I understand the thought process of, well, you're asking what someone with a half black mother is going to look like. I understand that piece of it. I really do. And that's not appropriate. But this book is saying that he didn't ask that. He's just, he's asking like, who do you think he'll look like? And apparently the little trolls in the palace who aren't Royal, who work for them, went around and played a game of telephone. And when it got back to Harry, it was posed as Charles wants to know if he's going to be black, which like, it's absurd. Like, I'm sorry. It, it's absurd. And It angers me. And again, not that I know anybody in the royal family and all this, whatever, but like, it angers me that this is so, that this has been so misconstrued. Because if it was truly, and I was, when this um, special came out, I was talking about this with, with friends. I was like, if this truly was asked this way, like how, of course, how inappropriate. But I just don't see that because this man wants a, wants a relationship with his son. But it's been clear that this man, this son does not want a relationship with his father, who's his only surviving parent, which sucks for him. I don't know. It just, it's just, it's just like words can be so painful, but like this just goes to show like when things are taken in and out of context, what their true point was. And I don't think it's fair to paint Charles to be this enemy, this horrible person, this racist. I, I don't think he's any of that. I think he was like, my son's a a pale ginger having a baby with someone who's half white, half black from America. Like, I just, I want to know, like, will he have red hair? Turns out Archie has red hair. Like, I I don't think that that's anything unreasonable to wonder who, what anyone's going to look like. You know, like one person has brown eyes, one person has blue eyes. What color eyes will this person have? We talked about this with Sarah, like do your punt square. What are the odds? You know, I don't know, but that's all I got. A lot of kind of sad news, a lot of like medical news today. We'll see what we get next week. Anywho, that is all I have for you today. I'm sorry I went off on a bunch of tangents and I asked myself a bunch of questions, but again, it's just me today. Thank you so much for listening to the 32 pod. If you liked what you heard, please follow on Spotify or leave a five-star review on Apple podcast. If you didn't like what you heard, continue to leave a five-star review, but please tell me how I can improve. I'm still working on my opening song. I am still working on having more people on the pod. If you'd like to be on the pod, please let me know. Email me at 32pod at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at, at 32pod. I'm also on TikTok at 32pod. My TikTok is fun. Um, And yeah, That's the show today. Remember, it's never too rude to have 32. Bye.